This episode is made possible by PwC. When unprecedented times are all the time, it's time to start walking the talk. Leaders like you turn to PwC to see and stay ahead. Upskill your workforce, use intelligent automation, and transform big ideas into breakthrough outcomes. Explore the human-led, tech-powered solutions that help you thrive. It's all part of The New Equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Let's go! Tell me. Ethos Tossard. That's right. That's me. I toss Ephi. And I do South Pie? Paw Souths. Paw all Souths. <laughs> hey, have you ever heard of Addie Joss? Briefly, yes. I'm intrigued. Great. Well, then we don't need to do an episode if you already know everything about Addie Joss. I don't know everything. Of course you do. We've, got to, we've, we've done the research here. So let's talk about Addie Joss. I'm going to take you back to a magical time. Take me back. 1880. <gasps> 1880? Yeah, the year I was born. Just kidding. That's the year Addie Joss was born. Uh, Woodland, Wisconsin. April 12th, 1880. As we're recording this, it's actually April 10th, so his birthday is in two days. What? What are you doing for Addie Joss's birthday this year? Uh, eating cheese? Mm. From Wisconsin? From Wisconsin, yeah. yeah. I like that. Well, he would appreciate that because he actually grew up on a farm. He grew up on his family's farm. Oh. He attended a one-room schoolhouse. Oh. Now, Addie Joss, keep in mind this is 1880 when the average human being was three foot four. Mm-hmm. Addie Joss, on the other hand, was six foot three, 185 pounds soaking wet. Earned him the title the human hairpin, which I think is a little mean spirited, honestly. I think but so. people called him that. And he was a pretty good baseball player, that Addie Joss. He was in, oh. when he was in high school, he played as a second baseman, which is a strange place to put a six three, hundred and eighty-five pound child, but there you go. They played him at second base, and then after he graduated in 1896 at the age of 16, if you're doing some math, he became a teacher. I'm going to say that again. When he was 16 years old, he became a teacher. This is a different time, Michelle. 
looked very confused. Uh, I'm not going to try to understand that. Yeah, he entered the teaching profession, and in the summer, he joined the town baseball team as a pitcher. Mm. Now, there's a lot of development here. Addy Joss played in a lot of uh, smaller leagues. We're not going to get into that because we're not worried in this particular episode about his playing career. You should look it up. It's awesome. But that summer, he joined the town baseball team as a pitcher. Mm. He developed an unusual pitching motion that would eventually bring him fame in the major leagues as a pitcher. Uh, he turned his, He would turn his body towards second base. He would kick his leg high into the air. But he would complete his motion upright and ready to field. I know it's hard to consider. But soon he caught the attention of scouts from several professional teams. Uh, he was actually scouted by Connie Mack of the Philadelphia Athletics, who we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, one of the teams that took notice of him was the Cleveland Bronchos. Now, I just want to take a second and talk about the Cleveland Bronchos. It might be pronounced Broncos, but there's an H. And it's important to me because this name was unrecognizable to me. So the big newspaper in Cleveland is called the Cleveland Plain Dealer. The Plain Dealer had referred to this baseball team as the Babes, the Spiders, the Buckeyes, and the Clevelands at different points throughout the 1901 season. Now, keep in mind, this is two years after the 1899 season, which we talked about in a whole other podcast, and that yes. was another another iteration of the Cleveland Spiders. So just in the 1901 season, this new Cleveland team was called the Babes, the Spiders, the Buckeyes, and the Cleveland. I but I but not the Forest Cities, thank God. Identity crisis. Yeah. And then in 1902, their rival newspaper, the Cleveland Press, named the team the Bronchos. I don't know why. I don't know. I assume it is a portmanteau of Bronson Pinchot, the Emmy Award-winning actor, uh, the love of America, the darling Bronson Pinchot, I assume, that 100 years before his birth, the Cleveland Press named that baseball team the Bronchos as a portmanteau of Bronson Pinchot. Yeah, of course. I mean, Cleveland's always been very progressive with their media. They have. That's true. One thing Cleveland is known for is being pro- very progressive. Very progressive. Uh, the Bronchos' nickname only lasted one season. The Bronchos' nickname only lasted one season before the, the Plain Dealer was like, no, 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 no. We're not letting our rival newspaper come up with a team name. We're going to open up a fan poll. So you guys can vote for your favorite uh, name. What would your vote be? Arliss. Arliss. (laughs) What would your name be? Raccaparone. Yeah. The Cleveland Raccaparone. That's a nice ring to it. Cleveland Pierogies. Oh, that would be so good. Mm -hmm. And I'd be so hungry. <laughs> yeah, that's how you, that's how you market a team. <clears throat> so, uh, in this contest, in this contest, there were several names bandied about: the Metropolitans, the Giants, huh. the Cyclops, okay. or Cyclopses, Cyclopsi, Cycli, Cycli. the <laughs> Gladiators. Is he ever? The Imperials, 
the armor clads, the red devils, the buckeyes, oh. and the emperors. So the buckeyes actually were the second most common name voted on. The emperors got the third most votes. However, the first most votes yeah. was not Indians. Everyone thought I was going to say Indians. It was actually the Naps. The Cleveland Bronchos had a player named Nap LeJoy, and he was so popular that the fans decided to name the team after him, the Cleveland Naps. So I just wanted to take that sidebar, talk about the team name, because the important part for Addy Joss is that he was scouted and signed by the Cleveland Bronchos. His baseball career. Let's talk about Joss. Mr. Joss made his major league debut with the Bronchos in 1902. And it was the following year that he, you know, he truly established himself as somebody to be reckoned with. Kind of like pronounced his arrival. That season, he won 17 games. He posted a microscopic ERA of 1.83, which led the American League. And in 1904, Josh recorded the um, second lowest single season ERA in MLB history at 1.16, while leading the AL in shutouts with six. He continued to dominate on the mound. He recorded two no-hitters, one of which was a perfect game. He led the AL in strikeouts twice. He played a key role in helping the Cleveland Naps win the AL pennant in 1908. And his approach to pitching really helped shape and set the standard for generations of pitchers after him. He, um, he emphasized control and accuracy over sheer velocity. And his style, uh, his use of fastball, uh, the fastball as a strikeout pitch helped pave way for the modern day style of pitching. So he really did a lot for the game and pitchers in their style of pitching and the modern day iteration. 115 years later, still doing it. Still doing it. Josh's influence can still be seen in the way the game is played today. Like I just said, it's he was hugely influential and I am betting that any name, any top pitcher, any top pitching prospect today and something that they do will can be directly attributed to Mr. Tommy Jones. Yeah. So recently I read that Hunter Gaddis uh, punt pit. Recently I read that Hunter Gaddis pitched six innings of scoreless baseball, only allowing one hit for the Guardians, which made him just the second pitcher to throw six scoreless innings, allowing one or fewer hits within the first four games of his career for the Guardians franchise. I think he was the first. Would you believe it was Addy Joss in his first ever career start? <gasps> That's how good he was. He was good right away, and he was good for nine seasons. Oh, my gosh. Not only was he very good, he was also known for his impeccable character and his gentlemanly demeanor. Uh, he was respected by his peers. He was considered a role model both on and off the field. He earned the nickname Gentleman Addy. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah. Uh, in fact, off the field, he had a whole other career as a sports journalist. He was actually hired as a sports columnist after the 1906 season for the Toledo News B. Uh, he served as their Sunday sports editor also. His writing was so popular that a special phone line was actually installed in his office to field the large volume of calls he received from fans. 
he also later wrote for the Cleveland Press. Oh, those folks. Yeah. wonder if he came up with Braun shows. And he covered the World Series for both the Newsbee and the Press from 1907 to 1909. His biographer, a man named Scott Longert, said the writer was becoming as well-known as the ball player. So he had a, a really strong, nascent career as a journalist. Also, during the 1908-1909 off-seasons, he worked on designing an electric scoreboard that would later be known as the Joss Indicator. The Naps actually installed that scoreboard at their stadium and allowed spectators to monitor balls and strikes at League Park. Well, I think that's a pretty good place to take a break because so. my head's spinning a little bit. This guy is pretty awesome. Um. I need to do more with my life. Yeah. Gentleman Addy is more like genius Addy, I feel uh, like. Yeah. That explains why they call me stupid Anthony. You call me a lazy Michelle. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, welcome back. Hi. You were just thirsting over Alex Bregman. Sorry oh. to call you out on the podcast. Wow. It's like that. Damn. <laughs> Just watch our next episode. I will call you out for very polite things. Yeah. Well, uh, who was I thirsting over? I would never. You would never? would never thirst over anybody. You guys, you know that he, Anthony is so polite. How polite, How polite is, is he? he? I was having a very bad time a few weeks ago, and like a very kind human being, he sent over some, we both share a love of bubbly water, mm-hmm. particularly the flavored kind, so he sent over a couple uh, couple boxes of it. Yeah, you were not able to get to the store. I mean, I probably should have done more, could have done more, but I thought there were these new flavors that came out. Oh my gosh. The yeah. lemon sorbet and the orange uh, cream. And, I, and you hadn't had a chance to try the orange cream, I think. Right? Lemon you had sorbet. had the lemon. Oh, it was the lemon you hadn't tried. Well, regardless, you hadn't had a chance to try them yet. And so I sent over those two flavors. And the watermelon, which I had never seen, but apparently is not actually new, but uh, it's only suddenly in stores. So, yeah. So I, I hope that you enjoyed it. And I just drank your last one. So, folks, good human being is what I'm trying to say. Well, thank you. I feel like I needed to inject a little bit of positivity because what I'm about to say is not positive, and I am sorry. Yeah. Addy Joss. Addy Joss. Let's talk about his untimely death. Oh, right into it. Right into it. Nah, just going to rip off that Band-Aid. So his untimely death, he tragically had his career cut short by illness. In 1911, 
he was diagnosed with tuberculosis meningitis. How did I pronounce that? But like, I had trouble pronouncing last names. You went to school for this. Yeah, okay. Sure. A rare and often fatal I'll say disease. even on the page, I misspelled it. It says tuberculous. So you even pronounced it correctly despite my inept spelling. That's what my brain does, I guess. Yeah. So despite undergoing treatment, and as you can imagine, in 1911, it wasn't super advanced treatment. He deteriorated rapidly. And... Um, Unfortunately, he passed away on April 14th, 1911, just two days after his 30, 31st birthday. And, you know, his death was a shock to the baseball world, and it sparked an outpouring of grief from fans and players and journalists alike, which understandably so, because he was a behemoth. Um, his funeral was in Cleveland, and it was attended by thousands, thousands of mourners. Cleveland retired his uniform number, which was 12, in his honor. Yeah, and then uh, Cleveland Knapp's manager, Joe Birmingham, had a bright idea. At that time, baseball players were not paid very much. And here was a young man struck down in the height of his career, just 31 years old. And Joe Birmingham thought, wouldn't it be nice if we could play a benefit game with the proceeds going to his family? To Addie Joss's family, not to Joe Birmingham's family. <laughs> That'd be so messed up. Uh, because Birmingham was deeply affected by Joss's sudden and tragic death. They were very close. And so he had the idea for the Addie Joss benefit game. He thought a benefit game would be a fitting tribute to Joss's memory. It would be a way to raise money for his family. So he worked with some other baseball executives to organize the game. And on July 24th, 1911, at League Park in Cleveland, the game happened. It featured the Cleveland Naps against a team of all-stars from around the American League. Um, the game was a charity event, as I said, to raise money for his family following his death. And uh, so 1911 was a bit of a significant economic and social time in the United States. So to give you some historical context around this time. Do you love me some historical context? Yeah. So the late 19th and early 20th centuries were marked by mm -hmm. rapid industrialization and urbanization in the United States. Cities were growing rapidly as people moved from rural centers to urban centers in search of work, and this shift in population had a significant impact on the social and economic conditions of the time. Uh, the early 20th century was a time of significant labor unrest in the United States. Mm, yeah. Workers were struggling for better wages and working conditions, and strikes and labor disputes were common. Uh, the time also saw an significant influx of immigrants to the United States, immigrants from all over the world seeking new opportunities in America. And this influx of new people had a significant impact on the social and cultural fabric of the country. And it was also a time of significant social and political change. Uh, it was known as the progressive era. It's marked by a focus on reform and the improvement of social and economic conditions including efforts to address issues such as poverty, child labor, and working conditions. So the game was really ripe, and the fan base, the American populace, was really in a position to help sort of the common man. So this idea of holding a benefit game to help the widow of someone who you know, was toiling for very little money really struck a chord with people. It was an opportunity for fans and players to come together and celebrate the sport of baseball, which was in the middle of becoming an important part of American culture itself. Well, I bet your burning question at this point is, 
who was the American League team made of? It was made up of some of the best players in the league at the time, including Ty Cobb of the Detroit Tigers, uh, Eddie Collins of the Philadelphia Athletics, Trist Speaker of the Boston Red Sox, Frank Baker, Philadelphia Athletics, Home Run Baker of the Philadelphia Athletics. I feel like that's the same guy. Probably. Yeah. Clyde Millen of the Washington Senators, Harry Lord. Wow, that's just some <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Of the Boston Red Sox. So some great baseball names. Gabby Street of the Washington Senators. Walter Johnson. It's a sturdy name. One of the best pitchers of all time. Absolutely. Of the Washington Senators. Jack Combs of the Philadelphia Athletics. Eddie Plank of the Philadelphia Athletics. And the American League team was managed by none other than Connie Mack, who was the legendary manager of who? The Philadelphia Athletics. And he had scouted... If you remember going way back, he way had scouted Addie Joss as a high schooler. Yeah. Yeah. So the tickets for the game were sold for $1 each, and the players and umpires donated their salaries for the game to the cause. And this game was a major event, and it drew a crowd of over 15,000 fans because there were only like 20,000 people in the United States at the time. Yeah. The game itself was competitive and it was entertaining and the american league all-stars got off to a very quick start they scored five runs in the first inning and they held on for a 5-3 victory over the naps i'm gonna say i think it's a little messed up that the american league offense scores five runs in the first inning because the naps pitcher had died like this whole benefit game was for their best pitcher. It seems a little messed up to me mm-hmm. to put this amazing offense against, like, some effing guy. Yeah. I just imagine the poor kid walking out there with, like, a lump in his throat, and he's like, okay, just uh, get through this game, this bud. This one's for Addy. This is for Addy. This is a... Yeah. I, I mean, you know, it was July of the following season, so I guess, he, hey, listen, it's fine, but I do think it's kind of, kind of funny. That's kind of very funny. Yeah. Let's take a break. Let's laugh and laugh and laugh about, about yeah. the joke that I told. Very funny joke. Very funny joke. It's going to send me to hell. And then, <laughs> and then I'll see you on the other side. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. I'm about done laughing. Are you sure? Yep. Nary a chuckle. 
I'll check us inside. So overall, the Addy Jaws benefit game was a very good demonstration of the power of baseball to bring people together, support a worthy cause. It's a testament to Joss's legacy as a player and as a person. It helped set a precedent for future benefit games and charity events in the baseball world. This is the very first time they've done anything like this, but certainly not the last. Um, and today, many teams and players continue to participate in similar events to raise money for various causes and to give back to the community and support those in need. So this is a real quick wrap-up about Addy Joss and the Addy Joss benefit game. Joss, I think this is my favorite cap on this entire thing. So we mentioned earlier, Joss only played in nine seasons, and even in those nine seasons, he missed pretty significant playing time due to various ailments like, you know, tuberculosis, mm -hmm. meningitis. That little old thing. Yeah, so in 1977... Good year. The National Baseball Hall of Fame Board of Directors passed a special resolution waiving the typical 10-year minimum playing career for Hall of Fame eligibility. So largely for Addy Joss, they're like, hey, listen, uh, we don't need to do, you don't have to have played for 10 years to get into the Hall of Fame. So the Hall of Fame Veterans Committee in 1978 voted on his eligibility uh, and said, no, you can't get into the Hall of Fame. We hate you. We're going to burn you. Uh, we're going to burn you in effigy. We're going to erase the annals of history. This benefit game never happened. Never. We don't like you. We don't like anything you stand for. This episode isn't happening. Gentleman Addy, my foot. Mm-hmm. Oh, nope. I misread it. They actually did vote him in. Oh. They actually did vote him in. 1978, Addy Joss became a baseball Hall of Famer. Rightfully so. Yeah. Addy Joss, Adrian Joss, no middle name, just like Kenny Lofton. Wow. Hmm. They both played significant parts of their career in Cleveland. Hmm. What do you think about that? He has a real hairpin-looking face. Yeah. The gentleman, though, of course. Anyway, hey, Michelle. Hey, Ethan. That was the Addy Joss benefit game. What a beautiful story of life. Did it benefit your heart? Immensely. Do you know his career whip? Tell me. Addy Joss's career, okay, over his nine-season career, Addy Joss had a 45.3 war. His career ERA was 1.89. His career whip was 0 0.968. Career. This is through 2,327 innings. Of pitching. He threw 45 shutouts. He won 27 games one time. He won 24 games another time. He posted a season, his year 28 season in 1908. He had an ERA plus of 204, 204. So that's 104% better than the average player. That year, he also posted a whip of 0 0.806. He was a pretty good pitcher. Pretty good. Pretty good. Wouldn't you say? I'd say so. And the only reason that I think that he never won a Cy Young Award is because Cy Young was still playing and there was no award named after him. Yeah. <laughs> so. Cy Young was still becoming Cy Young. Yeah. Well, he was still, I mean, he was Cy Young. I think his last year as a player was 1911 and Hattie's was 1910. So they were contemporaries for sure. 
Anyway, so that's Addy Joss, or Adrian Joss, if you will. And you will. I will. So what do you say we wrap this up? Boy, that sounds like a great idea. Great.